So if you guys, some of you guys know this about me, some of you guys know me better than others, some of you guys know this about me and some of you don't, uh, but I'm going to tell you something about myself. Uh, I'm what you would call a squeamish individual. I'm a little bit squeamish. So uh, blood and guts and gore, and I'm not all about that, right? Some of you guys have no problem with that, right? You're like, bring it on. And the more, the more blood and guts, that's, that's preferred. Uh, man, for me, that, that grosses me way out. And there's a disconnect. Like, if I see it, like, in a TV or a movie, and, okay, that's not real, right? Like, like people getting zapped with laser guns and chopped with lightsabers. I can, I can okay, that's not, that's not real. That doesn't gross me out. But then it's like, if it's like a, a medical movie or a medical TV show, what's a popular medical TV show about doctors? Crazy Anatomy. If it's Crazy Anatomy and, like, and like someone's getting a shot, right, and they zoom right in, like, I don't need to see that. If you're going to make anything... Anyway, and they zoom way in, and you see the needle like puncture the skin, and oh, right, I can't handle that. Oh, that grosses me way out. That grosses me way out. I'm not, I'm not about all that kind of stuff. Um, and ja- Jackie, man, she says next when we watch TV, if it's something, if there's blood and there's blood and all that kind of stuff, like I'm, I'm just like, oh, can we not, can we not have that? Um, and again, if it's if it's super fake and, and zombies and lasers, I, I know, I know that's not real. But then like the when it looks real and or. And it's really happening to me. Like I'm at the doctor's office, and they're like, "We need to take some of your blood out so we can look at it." Uh, no. Like, is there, we do, is there another way that you can kind of do that? Um, and I hate getting shots. I, I seriously, I have to tell the doctor when you give me a shot or you need to take my blood out of my body, I need to be sitting or preferably even laying down because I will pass out. That's not an idle threat. I, several times I've had my blood drawn and just, woo, um, like, I don't know what. Uh, not like a tough, manly guy, right? But, uh, man, something about, man, I just don't like the needle and then thinking about all my blood in my body and, and, uh, and uh, it, it grosses me way out. I don't like it. I'm not a blood and guts guy. Maybe you guys are. Maybe you guys are all about it, um, but that's not me. And, and so if I'm, I'm thinking about, like, blood and guts and gore. I'm going somewhere with this. I'm thinking about it in like a story or in like a movie. There's what you would call like senseless violence, senseless gut and blood and guts and gore. You're just like, that's just pointless. And then there's sometimes there's gore with a purpose. Everybody say gore with a purpose. Gore with a purpose. Like, like if it's like, I don't know, like a, a, a war movie or Band of Brothers or, or something like that. And yes, it's gross. And, but it's like, it's serving a purpose to demonstrate the horrors of this or, or that. It's, it's to make you think there's, there's a purpose to it. It's not just senseless, right? Um, it has a purpose. Uh, the passage we're going to be looking at tonight um, is, is uh, you could say it's a gory one, right? It's a little bit... Ugh. It's a little bit why in the world, right? Uh, but it has a purpose, right? It's not, it's not there just to, just to gross you out. Um, and some of you guys maybe have a picture in your mind of the Bible. Um, maybe, maybe those of you not, not really read the Bible through or, or not real familiar with Scripture have a version of the picture in your mind of the Bible that it's like the people in the precious moments cartoon, like sitting around being really polite to each other all the time. That's not the Bible, right? The Bible's got, the Bible's got some stuff that makes you like, whoa, and like, Ew, and, and all that kind of stuff. And so this is one of those passages, uh, and the, the, it's going to be a little bit gross, uh, but it's, it's gore with a purpose, right? There, there's a purpose to it. There's a reason for it. It's an incredible purpose, actually, uh, in revealing the heart of God towards us and revealing God's purpose and His plan for us. It has a purpose. And that, I've blown it up so much now that when we get to it, you're going to be like, that was not any big deal at all. You guys are extremely desensitized, so I'm not really worried about it. 
We started, we started a series last week that's going to take us through the first few weeks of this semester, a series called Greatest Hits. Uh, and it's taking a look at the big key moments in the Old Testament through this lens like it's our Greatest Hits album. Um, and we talk about when you discover a new artist or a new band, and, and they've, been, they've been popular a long time, or maybe they've been, they're dead, and, and they, all their work is in the past, but you've not really heard any of it, and they have like 4,000 songs across 30 albums, and you're like, where in the world do I start, right? That's a little intimidating. You know, I, I want to I learn more about this artist, but I don't even know where to begin. I don't even know where to start. And then you discover they have a greatest hits album. Perfect, right? I can listen to this and it'll give me all the, the big important songs, right? All the big moments of their career, all the stuff that I need to know in case Taylor's asking me, hey, have you ever heard of this guy? I'm like, yeah, I can list like three or four of the really big songs and everyone thinks that I'm cool, right? <laughs> so you discover a greatest hits album and it gives you the big moments, the important stuff, the broad strokes, the overview of a much, a much bigger career. Uh, and that's helpful, again, because we, sometimes we don't know where to start. And we're tackling something huge. It's hard to know where to start. Uh, many people have the same difficulty approaching the Bible in general because it's a big book. Uh, and the Old Testament specifically, which makes like three-quarters to five-sixths of your Bible, a huge chunk of your Bible there um, is, is the Old Testament. And a lot of people uh, have difficulty approaching the Old Testament because there's a lot of it. Uh, and, and, and a lot of times as Christians, even we fall into, uh, fall into this thing where we want to read about Jesus, which is good. We want to read about the early Christians. Uh, we want to read about um, in the letters towards the end about how to live a Christian life. We, we, we dive into that stuff. Um, but a lot of us are unfamiliar with this huge chunk of scripture uh, and it goes before that. It sets the stage for all of that. Uh, and it's called the Old Testament. Um, but the Old Testament, man, this huge chunk of your Bible is incredibly important to you. Like I said, it sets the stage for everything that comes afterwards. Uh, to understand the purpose of Jesus coming, why Jesus came, what God's plan is for, for the human race, all those kind of things, his plan for your life, his purpose in this world, all those kind of things were set up uh, um, over the course of hundreds of years I mean, in the text of the Old Testament and is fulfilled in the New Testament. And really, I mean, as, as believers, we need to understand both. We need to have a handle on both. Both of them are incredibly important to us. So for this series, we're going to attempt to hit some of the big key concepts of the Old Testament. This is not, this is not replace your need to study the Old Testament for yourself. Amen. Hopefully in your own daily time with the Lord, you're cracking the Bible open, you're reading, you're, uh, you're learning about God and the, His history with people uh, and those kind of things. But, but for the purpose of this series, over the next five weeks, we're going to be hitting some of those big, key, important moments of the Old Testament. It's the greatest hits uh, the Old Testament to give you a better understanding uh, of that framework that the whole rest of our faith is built on, that the person and work of Jesus is built on. Um, and then that, that's our purpose for, for this series. Last week we kicked it off and we, we looked at Genesis, uh, the first three chapters, and talked about how as human beings, uh, each and every single one of us are created in the image of God. We're made in the image of God. You are not an accident. You are not random molecules bouncing around in an uncaring universe that happen to stick together and look like you. Handsome as you are, beautiful as you are, you're not an accident. You were made on purpose, and not only that, created in God's image. And because you were made in God's image, you have eternal value and infinite worth. Every human that's ever lived, every human you will meet in your life, has dignity and worth and is made in the image of God. And we talked about, man, that's why, uh, that's why for a believer, man, prejudice has no place at all. Racism has no place at all. Uh, it's absurd and it's offensive to God because, man, the, the other human beings, the other seven billion of us that we share this planet with, each and every single one of them are made in the image of God. They have dignity, they have value, and they have worth. Um, 
And we talked about how, man, when sin entered the picture, when humans, man, rebelled against God uh, and, and they went their own way, man, that sin brought a curse, that that image was tarnished. But God, from the very beginning, had a plan to, uh, to redeem us to himself, even though what sin had separated and tarnished, um, and God had a plan to make us brand new, restore us to himself uh, through sending the Savior, through sending his son Jesus. And that's what we talked about last week, uh, and, and that was track one of the greatest hits album, which was made in the image of God, uh, made in God's image. Now we're gonna talk, tonight we're going to talk about track two. Track two is called The Deep Cut. And see, that works both ways. Because, like, normally you wouldn't have a deep cut on a Greatest Hits album. D- deep cut is, like, the, the track that you don't know unless, like, you really know that artist, right? Uh, but we're not talking about that kind of deep cut. We're talking about a literal deep cut. Remember I said tonight was going to be a little gory. I, pr- I prepared you for that, so no one needs to be surprised uh, when, when that part comes. But tonight's called The Deep Cut. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 12. Uh, maybe your neighbor has a Bible and they don't mind you looking on. Or, of course, all the... Uh, all the words are going to be uh, up there on the screen in the back. Um, to, so to set it up, uh, after Adam and Eve sinned, um, and after, after and God explains that it's brought a curse upon the land, uh, and God has promised that he's going to send a Savior to set things right, uh, Adam and Eve have to leave the paradise of the Garden of Eden, uh, and their descendants begin to populate the earth. Um, but sin and evil at this point has already taken a root in humanity, and Adam and Eve... Uh, their children, the oldest son, kills his younger brother, right? So far off to a really bad start, and it just gets worse from there. Um, humanity grows increasingly sinful, increasingly wicked uh, in, in the next few chapters. Um, and we see, we see uh, human wickedness reach the point uh, where, where man, it, the whole human race seems like a failed experiment, like a lost cause. And, and, and God, God calls, calls this man Noah, you may be familiar with this story, uh, to, to, to build an ark, to build a big boat. And he says, hey, you and your family, uh, come get on this boat. I'm going to destroy the earth with a flood of water because the wickedness has reached the point where there's no, there's no fixing it, but I'm going to preserve a line of people that know me through you. Um, Noah obeys, and, and, and Noah's descendants begin to populate the earth, uh, and they, they spread out over the earth. Um, and then Genesis hones in on this guy named Abram in Genesis chapter 12. Uh, focuses in on this guy, uh, Abram. Um, Abram, and we don't know a whole lot about him. Uh, we, get, we get a little bit of his backstory, genealogy, who his, who his dad is, some of his brothers. Uh, and we don't know for sure that, that Abram worshipped only God. He may, have, he may have had multiple gods and idols and stuff he, he worshipped. But then he has an encounter with God where God calls him, Hey, I want you to follow me. Just me. Follow me, uh, and I'm going to bless you. And that's what we're going to look at uh, tonight. So picking up in Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, his name's not Abraham yet. That comes later, right? So you guys like, who's this Abraham? I've heard of Abraham. That comes later. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot, that's his nephew, went with him. Abraham, Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Verse 6, Abram traveled through the land as far 
as the site of the great tree Morah and Shechem, and at the time Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. So first thing we see, God appears to Abram and calls him to himself. He says, he says, I want you to leave your country, your father's people, and follow me to a land that I'm going to show you. Uh, and leave, leave your, your old culture, your old traditions. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking your own idols, whatever you thought of, of worshiping God or gods before. I want you to, I'm calling you to me. I'm going to be your God, and I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you a land that's going to be for your people. I'm going to bless you so crazy that no one's going to be able to even, uh, even curse you. People that try to curse you, uh, you know, the, the, the curse is going to come back on them. And I'm going to bless those uh, who bless you. And not only am I blessing you just because, I'm blessing you to bless the whole world. That all the peoples of the world are going to be blessed through you and your descendants. Um, he says, leave the country and go to a land that I will show you. It's a personal call. You leave. You leave. He's calling them to himself. Um, he says, I'm going to make you into a great nation and bless you. This is the, the beginnings of where we see God creating a people, creating a nation for himself. And this is going to be so important in the Old Testament going forward. Uh, that God is calling from the masses of humanity a people, a nation, a people group that will be his. His people. Does God love the whole world? Of course. Yes, but his part of his plan is to bless this one people group, bless them like crazy, so the rest of the world says, what God are you worshiping, right? Because this pile of sticks ain't doing it for me, or this rock that I chiseled so it kind of has like a dog face isn't getting it done, but your God is blessing you like crazy. Tell me about this God. And then throughout the Old Testament, you see provisions for when you have aliens, neighboring, neighboring people from neighboring countries come, and they want to worship the Lord. They say, man, allow them, let them do that. That's God's plan. I'm going to pick a people, I'm going to bless them like crazy, and all the surrounding peoples will say, we want to worship your God, right? And it's also through this people, through Abram's descendants, that God's going to eventually bring the Messiah. He's going to send his son, um, and to save people from their sins. All of the people of the earth will be blessed through you. It will be through his descendants that God will fulfill the promise to send a Savior, to rescue people from their sins and make them right with God. Uh, and again, he promises the land of Canaan, they'll, they'll be the promised land. Uh, and, and he shows it to them. Um, fast forwarding a little bit. Uh, famine hits the land, right? They can't stay where they're at. They have to go down to, to Egypt, where Habibah's from. They go, down to, they go down to Egypt because Egypt, I guess, is a lot better at managing and not having famines, and they've got, they've got the Nile River and all kinds of nice stuff there. Um, so they go down and live in Egypt for a while. Uh, a little bit later, his nephew Lot is captured, and he has to go like, fight and rescue him. Um, he, he meets with a priest, a priest of God. When the very first, the first priest of God we see uh, in the Bible, this guy named Melchizedek, right? And he gives uh, a tithe, a tenth of his possessions to Melchizedek. And that brings us to chapter 15, uh, where we see God reaffirm his promise to Abram and seal it with something called a covenant. And right, so we're calling the message tonight a deep cut. Um, everything has to has to do with this covenant. Everything's tied into this covenant. If you can understand the concept of covenant, it's going to help you understand the whole rest of the Bible. Without understanding well this concept of covenant, it's going to make the rest of the Bible kind of what's happening here, right? So it, what I want you guys to get tonight, the big takeaway from tonight, is this concept of covenant that we see here in Genesis chapter uh, 15. So let's take a look at it. We're going to pick up in verse five, Genesis 15. Verse 5. He, uh, being God, took him, Abram, outside and he said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. 
Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. So he's promised him already. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you into a great nation. And then, man, Abram's had a lot of life events since then. Like, have you guys ever had, you know, felt like God's promised you something or told you something or you've gotten some direction from the Lord and then, like, it's several years later and you got busy doing all this other stuff and, and, and you're like, God, are you still planning on that? Because, uh, like, I've had to flee from a famine and I've had to go to war to rescue my nephew and lots of stuff's happened. I mean, God calls him out on a starry night. Uh, without the city lights, man, you can just see, like, a bazillion stars. And he says, look, if you, you can't count them. But if you count all these stars, that's what your descendants are going to be like. And, and it, it says something powerful there in verse 6. It says, Abraham believed the Lord. Okay. That, that's wild for me to think about, that someday, God, uh, that you're going to give me descendants that are going to be like the stars in the sky. We already said Abraham was old, right? When we met him in chapter 12, he was how old? Do you remember? 75. So he's older now. He's coming up on 100, right? You're 100 years old. You don't have any kids, right? You, you, your, your wife is what they call barren in the Old Testament. You're not, not able to have babies. Uh, you guys have no kids. You're old. And, and God says, I'm going to make your descendants like the stars of the sky. And a lot of us would be like, I don't know. There's a, point, there's a point later in Genesis where, where Abram, you know, he, uh, he, he's having trouble believing, you know, that, or, or, that, or he and his wife, man, they, they laugh at even the idea of it. But it says here that Abram believes the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. He believes God's promise and that's credited to him as righteousness. Uh, he's, he's made right with God. He has a relationship with God. He enters into something special with God because he believes a promise. Not because of any good work he does. He doesn't prove himself to God. He doesn't obey all the right rules. Uh, he doesn't do some grand gesture. He doesn't have to build an ark. right? He doesn't have to do this or that. Uh, he just believes God. God makes a promise. He says, I'm making you a promise. And the Bible tells us, Abram believes it. And he's righteous with God. He just, he just accepts it. A free gift, he accepts it. And he's made right with God. Um, picking up in verse 7. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So he said, I promise you, I'm going to give you all kinds of kids and grandkids and great-grandkids until it's going to be like the stars in the sky. You're going to be made into a huge uh, nation, lots of descendants. And not only that, I'm going to give you this land. The land, as we already read, was already occupied by other people. The Canaanites already lived there. Um, so, so Abraham's asking, how do I know? Like, I believe you, God. I believe, and you guys may think that God, God calls you to do something. Okay, God, I believe you. I'm on board, but how, right? Like, Anna, Anna was doing the skit, the skit earlier, the drama earlier about, okay, God, you're calling me, but, but how, right? Because I'm seeing all this obstacle and that obstacle. Um, and, and so Abraham asked the Lord, how do I know that you're going to do it? I believe you, Lord, but how do I know that you're going to do what you've promised? So the Lord makes a sign. Um, he makes a demonstration uh, of, of this promise, of this covenant. Uh, and we're going to see that here uh, in verse 9. It says, So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. God says, Bring some animals. Verse 10, Abram brought all these to him, cut them into two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. He waited. Then birds of prey came down from the carcasses, and Abram drove them away. I told you, this is, this is the gory part. 
After I set it up, you guys were like, oh, that's no big deal. I just cut some animals in half. That's gross to me, right? I'm picturing like you have like a whole, a whole cow, a whole goat, a whole ram. And I don't know. I don't know if they're cut like long ways or like laterally. Um, but they're separated into pieces. And the pieces are laid out on the ground there. Uh, and, and, and this is, this is, God says, I'm, this is what I'm going to do to make a sign to you. You said, how, how do you know? How do I know, God, that you're going to keep your promise? This is the sign I'm making to you. Uh, cut some animals into pieces and spread them out. And I'm, I would be like, that, that's really gross. But whatever you want me to do, God. Um, he, he, actually, Abram would have been much more familiar with the practice than we are today. Uh, so this, the, this Old Testament ancient world concept of, of covenant. And, and we, we use the word covenant... Um, I mean, we don't really use the word covenant in day-to-day conversation today. Like, I don't go up and, and, and tell Sarah, you know, have you made it, did you make a covenant, you know, earlier? i got to make a covenant with Arthur a little bit later. We may say, I'm going to promise him something. Or we've got an agreement or an arrangement or a contract. Uh, but, but, but covenant's deeper. Covenant, covenant has a, a, deeper, a deeper meaning um, and a deeper implication. So, so looking at the ancient world, this custom of covenant... Um, where we would commonly see it, if we're looking at an ancient history, we'd commonly see it if you've got like a conquering king that comes and obey, invades a land. Let's say Spencer is, is the lord of this land, and, and I, I wipe out his army, so I've conquered him, I've subjugated him, uh, and he has to obey me now, right? Uh, so Spencer and I would enter into a covenant. I'm the conquering king. He's the, the vassal, the, the subjugated uh, Lord, and so so we make a covenant basically that he's going to be loyal to me and not like lead an uprising against me kind of thing. Um, so so we write out our terms, and whenever we go to war, man, after, whenever there's peace, there's a peace treaty. You write out all the terms. Okay, I beat you, so this is what you have to do. That kind of thing. Um, so so I'll lay out the terms for Spencer, what I want him to do, uh, and he's going to promise to be loyal, faithful to me, and then we're going to cut up some animals. We're going to lay them all out. Uh, and uh, we'll put half the half the halves over here, half the halves over there, um, and it's going to be a bloody mess. And I'm going to stand to the side, and because I'm the king, uh, and Spencer, the conquered lord, he's going to walk through the pieces in like a figure eight shape. Uh, walk through the pieces, and the the sign, the implication is, if I betray you, may this happen to me. May this happen to me. May I be torn in half, ripped in half, cut in half. If I ever, if I ever betray you, you know that that's that's covenant. That's covenant, man. I, I pledge my loyalty to you forever. And if I break that covenant, may this happen to me, right? That's gross, right? So, so people didn't usually go back on their covenant, right? The covenant's permanent because because yeah, that, that, that's how it was enforced. The word covenant, that ancient. Uh, Hebrew word we're, we're in our English Bible it's covenant that ancient Hebrew word scholars uh, man, think is, is derived from an ancient Hebrew verb that literally means to cut you know, so we're talking tonight about a deep cut the, the word covenant um, possibly derived from an ancient Hebrew word that literally means to cut it has to do with man, man, cutting those animals apart there's also an ancient Assyrian word that's similar that means to bind man, both those concepts are, are tied up in there man, to bind two people together two nations together uh, and, and, and that cutting, that separating, that this is serious, right? If you break a contract with like your, your landlord for your apartment, they might, they might keep your deposit of 100 bucks, right? If you break a covenant like with a king, you're going to be cut in half, right? So this is serious. More serious than a contract, more serious than a promise. Uh, and covenant is serious. Um, it is a promise, but it's more than that. It's an agreement binding two parties together, sealed with a deep cut. And this symbolic imagery. 
That's gross. I'm sorry for that, but that's what it is, right? So continuing on in verse 12. And so, so, so Abram's laid out these pieces, and he's just waiting, waiting on the Lord. Okay, God, I did, now what? And bird, vultures are trying to come. He's having to shoo them away. Okay, let's get on. What, what's going to happen next? Verse 12. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. And the Lord speaks. It says, Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. Again, he's not even had one kid yet, right? He's not even had his first son yet. But this people that I'm going to raise up out of you, there's going to be a period of time where they're going to be enslaved. Uh, and, and I'm just letting you know that, that I'm aware of that. I know that's going to happen. Um, verse 14, but I'll punish the nation that they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. And the fourth generation of your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. Verse 17, when the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared, and it passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. Later on, Abram's name is changed to Abraham as God repeats the covenant to him in chapter 17. Uh, and Abram, Abraham makes a cut as well. Uh, the outward sign of circumcision to show that he and his descendants are, are taking up God in this covenant. They're going to be part of his new covenant people. Um, so, so this is an interesting story and kind of a gross story. Animals cut in half. Why does that matter to us? It's 2017, Matt, January 2017. Why does this story matter to us? Um, what's important here is that God doesn't have Abraham pass through the pieces, right? I said normally it's, normally it's the, the conquered one, the subservient one, the obedient one that passes through the pieces and says, if I break this covenant, may this happen to me. May I be cut in half and separated like this? No, God appears... Uh, as a, a, a torch, a fire pot. You can picture it how you want to. Pot of fire and a torch that's also on fire. Uh, this isn't the first time or last that the God will appear. What well, is the first? It's not the last time God will appear as fire uh, in the Old Testament, this vision of fire being symbolic of God. But, but God appears as this fire, and that fire passes between the pieces. Uh, you know, instead of, instead of saying, may this happen uh, to you, you know, God's saying, may this happen to me if I go back on my word. There's no one higher for God to swear on than himself, right? Uh, man, when, you, when, you, when you're taking an oath in, in court, you swear on the Bible, or you may swear by this or that. For God, there's no one higher for him to swear on. He swears on himself. He says, I promise you on myself that I'm going to keep this promise. I am going to bless you. I am going to make you into great people. And through you, all the peoples of the world are going to be blessed. I'm going to send a Savior through your bloodline. I'm going to do everything I promised. And, and I'm putting that on me. I'm putting that on me. He's the one that passed through the pieces. He promises that he's going to fulfill it. It's not based on Abraham's obedience. It's not based on Abraham man, checking the right boxes or doing the right things. It's something that God is promising him freely that he freely receives by faith. As Paul writes in 2 Timothy 2.13, Even if we are faithless, he, God, remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. And God promises on himself, I'm going to do it. 
And, and even though, man, there's times where we're disloyal, we're not obedient to God, we don't do right, uh, man, God remains true to us. He remains faithful to us because He can't disown Himself, right? He's going to remain faithful to us. Uh, and, and you may think, well, that's great for Abraham and all of his children. What about me, right? Uh, you know, Abraham's descendants became in the, the, the Hebrew nation, the Jewish nation. You think, man, I'm not a Jewish guy. I'm not a Jewish lady. What about me? What does that mean for me? And this is the amazing part, that by faith in Jesus, all of these promises of Abraham are counted towards you as well. Everything that God lays out there for Abraham in, in Genesis 12, the, the, the blessings and upon blessings, because of your faith in Jesus, those blessings are counted towards you as well. Take a look at it with me in, in Galatians chapter 3 as Paul explains it. Galatians chapter 3, um, you look at 5 through 9. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. Verse 6. In the same way, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham, then, are those who put their faith in God. And he makes a distinction here between, you've got the literal descendants of Abraham, right, that, that, that are genetically descendants. They can trace back, you could look, like, look at their chromosomes and stuff and say, hey, Abraham's my great, 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 however many greats, grandpa. There's literal descendants, but then there's also spiritual descendants of Abraham, the real, true spiritual uh, descendants of Abraham, and that's by faith, those that put their faith in God. Verse 8, what's more, the scriptures looked forward to a time when God would make the Gentiles, that's everyone who's not Jewish, right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, All nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. So when you put your faith in Jesus, and what Jesus does to save you and make you right with God, you, you get adopted into a family, right? You're already part of a family. Maybe you got a great mom. Maybe you got a great dad. Maybe you got a great grandma. And, and, and you're, you're still part of that family, but you're part of an eternal family encompassing spiritual family uh, that's the family of God. You become part of Abraham's descendants that are going to be like the stars of the sky, which are, there's like zillions of them. Um, you know, so you get to be counted among the, the billions and billions of people through over the, over the ages who followed God, served God, believed God, have been made right with God by faith. By not anything they did to prove themselves to God or earn God's favor, but God makes a promise. And they believe it. They say, okay, I receive it. God says, I'm going to make you right with me. And, and, and we receive it by faith and we're made right with the Lord. Um, and if you put your trust in Jesus to save you and make you right with God, then you share in this same blessing of Abraham by faith. You see, God sent his son Jesus uh, to live among us and redeem us back to God. Uh, and around, uh, uh, around, so you've got like, uh, this is going to, this whole episode with Abraham, this is, this is happening um, in a couple thousand years before, uh, before Jesus steps on the scene. Um, but at just the right time, when, when man, human civilization had, had reached the point where God says, okay, this is perfect, right? He, he sends his son, Jesus, into human history uh, to, 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 to become a human being, fully God, fully man. Uh, and, and Jesus steps on the scene, and, and Jesus, first of all, he teaches us, man, how to live, how to know God, how to serve God. Uh, teaches us about the kingdom of God, what God wants and desires from our life. He lives the life that I couldn't live, right? We talked about, last week we talked about sin and the times that we fall short, the times we get it wrong. Um, and Jesus lived a perfect life, right? His, his image of God, that reflection of God was never marred by sin or, or disobedience or rebellion. 
Um, and Jesus lives a perfect life. Uh, and, and he preaches about the kingdom of God. And, and, and he says that, man, I'm going to give you guys, man, living water and eternal life if you put your trust in me. The religious leaders of the day, they don't like hearing this. And they think it's blasphemous. So they arrest Jesus and they torture Jesus. And they publicly execute Jesus, nailing him to a Roman cross. And he suffers, and he dies on the cross, and he's buried. Um, Jesus is that promised descendant of Abraham through whom all the people of the world will be blessed. And through Jesus, God kept the covenant that we broke. Right? God makes the covenant. He swears upon himself. He passes through the pieces. We break the covenant. But it's Jesus' body that's broken. It's Jesus' body torn open, hanging on a cross. Jesus takes the punishment. God takes all the consequences of our unfaithfulness upon himself. He says, I'm still going to keep my promise to you. Even if you've been unfaithful, I'm still going to keep my promise to you. uh, But I'm going to be the one torn open. And when we we see Jesus, man, ripped open from from being, being whipped and tortured and hanging, bleeding on a cross for us. And that's God saying, I'm going to keep my promise to you to make you right with me. Jesus takes man, all the punishment we deserve for everything we've done wrong. So, so God doesn't have to punish our sin. When we put our trust in Jesus, man, our sins can be forgiven. God cleans us up, gives us a clean heart, a fresh start, and he adopts us into his family as a son, as a daughter. And the good news is that Jesus didn't stay dead and buried. That three days later, he rose from the dead, appeared to hundreds of eyewitnesses. And several of their eyewitness accounts we have recorded in the, in the New Testament Gospels. Uh, hundreds of eyewitnesses, upward to 500 people, saw Jesus alive after being dead, raised back to life. So when, when Jesus promises, I'm going to give you eternal life if you trust in me, you can take that to the bank, right? Because he literally conquered death, rose from the dead, uh, he ascends into heaven, and, and he's still alive today. Jesus is the one that makes us righteous. He's the one that makes us right with God by faith, not by anything we did, but because of what he did for us on the cross. One last verse uh, we'll look at uh, and then wrap up tonight. Um, We'll close with this. It's Romans chapter 4, starting in verse 16. Romans 4, 16 through 25. And Paul writes this. So the promise is received by faith. It's given as a free gift. And we are all certain to receive it. Whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is a father of all who believe. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Verse 18. Even when there was no reason to hope. And we said, Abraham was old, right? He's coming up on 100 years old, and God's saying, I'm going to give you so many kids, you're not going to believe it. And he's like, okay, all right. There's no reason to hope, right? There's no earthly reason to hope. Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become a father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. That's a little blunt. He was old, and his wife was old. But he kept hoping. He kept hoping. He kept believing God. He kept trusting. Verse 20, Abraham never, this is amazing to me, never wavered in believing God's promise. Never wavered. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And this brought glory to God. 
He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Some of you guys need to hear that tonight. Some of you guys need to be fully convinced. God is able to do whatever he's promised you. Whatever he's promised you, God's able to do it. Abraham had no earthly reason to hope. Maybe you've got no, no earthly reason to hope. Maybe other people are saying to give up. God is able to do whatever he's promised. Verse 22, And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. That's the good news of the gospel. And Jesus died for our sins. He died for me. That should have been me on the cross. He died in my place. And was raised to life so I could be made right with God forever. So God calls Abraham to follow him. He makes this promise, this covenant with him to bless him and also the whole world through him. And God's calling us as well. God's calling you as well to a personal relationship with you. He's saying, man, leave everything else behind. Uh, man, leave your, your history, your baggage. I mean, if you had a messed up family situation and drama, I'm calling you out of all that. I'm calling you out of, you've got some... You say, oh, man, you don't know my past. God's calling you out of that, right? Like he, like he called Abraham. I'm calling you out of all of that to follow me. I'm calling you to myself. Just as he called Abraham, he's calling each of you to himself, to a personal relationship with him, to follow him the rest of your life. And with that, a promise to bless you. A promise to bless you in this life. And a promise of eternal life when this life is over. And you guys still got a lot of years yet. But there's going to come a day uh, when, when, when God says, okay, that's enough. Right, and you close your eyes and you don't open them again on this earth. Uh, and if you put your trust in Jesus to save you, and in that moment you're in the presence of God forever, eternally with God, instead of eternally separated from God. God's calling you to that. He says, "I want to bless you. I want to make you right with me." It's something you accept by faith. You just believe it and accept it and receive it. You say, "Man, I, I got to get my life right before I, before I then start following Jesus." He says, "No, it doesn't work that way." I gotta stop doing all these kind of things before I put my faith in Jesus. Says no, it doesn't work that way. Uh, maybe once I do, maybe once I start going to church on the regular and I'm kind of looking right, and I got to get some new shoes. I think no, it doesn't work that way. It's not about what we do to impress God or earn His favor. It's all about what Jesus already did for us on the cross, and we just receive it by faith, like Abraham. We just receive it by faith. It's a promise to us. And so we'll wrap up man, tonight on that thought. And I want to take a minute and pray. Um, and maybe God's calling some of you guys. Maybe you're here tonight, and Holy Spirit's calling you, saying, come away. I don't, I don't care what your past was. Maybe your past was wonderful. Maybe your past was a hot mess like mine. I mean, I'm calling you out of all of that to follow me. I've got something so much better for you. I'm calling you out of all of that for a relationship with me, for blessings to come upon your life. The, the biggest blessing being a relationship with me. All your sins forgiven. doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been. And God will make you clean. Why does snow? Uh, in an instant. And when we put our trust in Jesus and what he did for us. Some of you guys, maybe, maybe God's, and he's, he's told you to do something or he's led you in some way or he's promised you something and you've had a lot of life events happen. It seems like, man, this is just getting kind of drug out. Uh, like, God, God, I feel like you promised me this, but I'm not seeing it. And be encouraged. Be encouraged. You know, by that, that passage we read in Romans that, that Abraham did not waver in faith, as far, as far as trusting the promises of God, he was fully persuaded God was able to do what he promised him. And you guys, man, 
uh, man, continue to seek the Lord, continue to, to say, man, I'm convinced of you all. God, you're able. God, you're able to do what you promised me, and I'm going to continue to believe you for it, even if I have no earthly reason to hope. Uh, like Abraham, you know, I'm still going to hope. I'm still going to trust that you're going to do it. You're going to keep your promises. Amen? If you guys would bow your heads and close your eyes, just to kind of give you and your neighbor, uh, your neighbor some privacy with the Lord. Um, we're going to take a minute and pray. Father God, Father God, I thank you. Uh, thank you for your word. Thank you for this passage uh, in, in Scripture um, that we have recorded and faithfully passed down to us so that we can learn from it, God. That you are a covenant-making God. You are a promise-making God. You're a God that wants to call us to yourself, that wants to have a relationship with us, that wants to make us right with you, even though we've been separated by sin. And God, God, tonight we want to receive that by faith. If there's anyone in here tonight, again, again every, everyone's eyes are closed, but if there's anyone in here tonight that says, Matt, I want to pray that prayer. I want to put my trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross to forgive my sins and make me right with God. Would you just raise your hand real quick? Say, Matt, would you pray with me? Thank you. I see those hands. Is there anybody else? See those three? Anybody else? You can put your hand back down. Anybody else to say, Matt, would you pray with me? I want to put my trust in Jesus and I want to be made right with God tonight. Anybody else? Just pray along with me uh, in your heart. Say, God, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die for me. I believe that what he did on the cross forgives my sins and makes me right with you. And right now I want to receive that by faith. God, please forgive me and cleanse me. Give me a new heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to live for you from this day forward. Jesus, come be my Savior. Come be my Lord. Help me to submit to you. Help me to follow you, obey you for the rest of my life. I receive your gift of forgiveness. I receive your gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Maybe you're here tonight and you've prayed a prayer like that, but you're... In a place where you're far away from God, or maybe there, and there's some, some disobedience in your life, some sin that you've been messing around with, or um, and some unfaithfulness, and, 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 and maybe you've been hearing about the seriousness of the covenant, the seriousness of what it costs Jesus is weighing heavy on your heart. I want you to know that, 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 that tonight there's no guilt, there's no shame, and there's absolutely no condemnation for those of us that are in Christ Jesus that if you're feeling guilty and weighed down with shame and condemnation, God doesn't have that for you. And right now you can just confess that stuff to God. Say, God, I've screwed up. I've blown it. Um, you know what I've done. I've done this. I've done that. And it's not right. Confess that. Right now as you're praying to the Lord, confess it to the Lord. And he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness and make you new. You can have a fresh start tonight too. And God, those, those that are in here tonight and... Uh, Man, they're tired of, of hanging on. They're tired of hoping. There's things that they're believing you for, things they feel like you've promised them uh, that they're just not seeing. God, would you increase their faith, increase their ability to trust you, help them not to give up, God, help them to believe you uh, for all that you promised. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for blessing us, God. God, I thank you for all the ways you bless our lives, for all the goodness that you pour out onto us that we don't deserve, God. God, thank you so much. God, help us to have, again, hearts that overflow with gratitude and thanksgiving for all you've done for us. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.